reading this morning is from Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 9 to 15. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness for forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with wild animals and angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. This is the word of the Lord. Father, thank you for Mike. Thank you for him and Rachel and their family, Lord, in Birmingham. Lord, bless him now as he brings your words to us. Encourage him as he preaches in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's uh, wonderful to be joining you during your week of prayer. And we have been uh, praying with you, uh, knowing that it was happening. I wanted to start today, actually, by saying, Happy Lent. <laughs> you don't hear that phrase very much, do you? Uh, but I feel like I can say it because of um, this man, the Archbishop of Canterbury, who on Ash Wednesday, he wrote a reflection. You don't have to read it up there. I'll read it to you. He said, People often think of Lent as a gloomy time of year when Christians punish themselves by giving up the things they enjoy doing. As Christians, we can make the same mistake ourselves. Uh, we can approach Lent thinking, if we can just cling on and give up enough things for 40 days, then God will at least be a little bit pleased with us and we'll have paid for all our sins for the rest of the year. But that's not how it works. The reality is that Lent is a time of joy, a time of renewal, a time of choosing to put aside some of the things that might be keeping us from knowing and loving and serving Jesus Christ. This is the time of year when we embrace joyfully the love and forgiveness of God and allow that love and forgiveness to change us. So there you go. You've heard from the Archbishop of Canterbury this morning. And now it's just somebody else. <laughs> uh, so this passage includes times of submission, times, desert times in it. But along that, alongside that, um, times of comfort, affirmation and a promise of forgiveness. Uh, we'll be looking at the baptism in the Jordan, uh, the wilderness experience of Jesus, and then 
uh, going into Galilee and proclaiming the kingdom of God. And I hope that these reflections will lead us a little closer to Jesus. And as we see um, the paths he chose, that they may help us, that may help us in our life's path as well. So we're looking at Mark's gospel. Mark doesn't go in for padding. There's no nativity. There's no genealogies. He kicks off, he says, in verse 1, the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So this is what he's about. But when he says uh, Son of God here, he's not necessarily uh, counting on everyone thinking that he's talking about someone divine. Son of God at that time could have been talked about, used to talk about kings or emperors, uh, for example. But he is saying here that there is someone, there is a king who is coming who is good news. And then he goes on just before our passage to quote from the Old Testament to make it clear that this Jesus Christ, this Jesus the Messiah, is in line with God's plan through history. But then, strangely, to talk about the preparations for this king, which aren't about palaces and trumpets and things like that. They're about inner preparations, heart change. That this king, when he comes, will be wanting to see people whose lives have turned away from sin and back to God. And so then we come to our passage. And Mark writes about the baptism of Jesus. And again, he doesn't write as much as some of the other gospel writers, but he wants to focus on this declaration from heaven. Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, was baptized by John in the Jordan, and as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open, the spirit descending on him like a dove, and a voice from heaven saying, you are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. You know, Mark had quoted Isaiah earlier in the chapter. Actually, Isaiah also, later in his book, said, he prayed, Oh God, would that you would just tear open the heavens and come down. And here he is doing that. God the Son being affirmed by God the Father, and anointed by God the Holy Spirit. There's an affirmation. It's also, of course, a proclamation, which is seen and heard. But, you know, the, the early church struggled as well with this passage uh, the reason being that Mark has just written that this is a baptism for repentance, for sinners. And then he goes on to say, Jesus went into the waters and was baptized by John. And they came up with all sorts of ideas why that might be. Maybe, maybe Jesus was making the water holy for everyone else. That would have been a problem because it all went 
<laughs> downstream. Um, maybe it was a priestly anointing. But we can be grateful, you know, for these struggles because they assure us that the gospel writers wrote what happened and then people wrestled with it afterwards. These passages, these tough passages, these questions actually reassure us about the, it's a great sign of the authenticity of the Bible. And as the church wrestled with this, they came up with two um, precious truths, I think, which we can reflect on today. One, that Jesus identified with us. He took on humanity. He walked our path in every respect, even baptism. We know that when we are baptized and when the folk who came to the Jordan were baptized, they died to their sins and they rose again to a new life that God had prepared for them. And Jesus, in a way, gave a visible sign of what was to come through his death and resurrection. He went into the Jordan, and as he came up out of the water, uh, the Spirit descended. He identified with us in every respect, as sinners, but without sin. And secondly, he did this living in obedience to God the Father. Baptism was just one public sign of that. And of course, it's a public sign uh, for us as well. We are told, repent and be baptized. Overseas students' parents understand the importance of baptism and adult confirmation. Uh, many uh, don't make a fuss, actually, when their uh, sons and daughters spend time with Christians, even when they do Bible study. Or when they say, oh, I've become a Christian. There are parents, there are quite a few parents that don't, that's not the point where they push back. But when the child says, I've decided I'm going to be baptized, that is a big issue. Why? Because they realize, maybe more than some of us, what deep spiritual significance this is. How important this is in terms of um, a, a change of allegiance, in terms of spiritual power, in terms of the affirmation that comes as it came for Jesus. You're my son. You're my daughter. For those that say, oh, well, I've prayed a prayer. I don't need to be baptized. Well, Jesus, even Jesus, took that step. And I guess we could say, what is keeping you? Certainly not God. Repent and be baptized. Then we go on to the wilderness. And again, this is not exactly something you would expect for a son of God. The Spirit sends Jesus out into the desert. And he was in the desert for 40 days, tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. 
before beginning his public ministry, he had a time in the wilderness, walking a path which we actually need to follow too. How many times does God prepare people for service by refining them, by humbling them, by sending tough times? Cocky Joseph, murderous Moses, self-confident Peter, zealous Paul. God humbled them so that they could then raise others up. He could raise, God could raise others up through him, through them. So Jesus walked this path, tempted by Satan, but without sin. With the wild animals, but safe. In fact, uh, many here point out uh, the prophecies in the Old Testament about how the lion will lie down with the lamb. Jesus was with the wild animals, but there was no harm because he was the Lord of all creation and reconciling all things. But the main thing I want to focus on here are these desert times, these temptations, these fears. God uses them. You know, he even sends us into them. At once the Spirit sent Jesus out. And the word there for sending is the same word that's used when the Bible says, ask the Lord of the harvest to send people out, to thrust them out, to drive them out into the harvest field. The path to ministry, the place when God sends us out, often he sends us out first into a place of preparation, into a desert place, into a tough place. But angels attend us. God provides a way out under temptation. God relieves our fears. In fact, as the Archbishop of Canterbury reminded us this morning, Lent can be a time when we choose ourselves to go into that place as a time of preparation. To put aside things which may be keeping us from serving Jesus as we would like. And then we go on and we read the time ends and Jesus moves forward. Mark again compresses everything. John's put in prison. Jesus goes into Galilee and he proclaims the good news of God. The time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. But before we go on to that, those two verses... As I was preparing this sermon, I felt that maybe God wanted to say to this church, um, the wilderness time is over. Jesus went up. Angels comforted him. You know, life is not meant to be spent in the wilderness. And sometimes we can stay there longer than we need, maybe not physically, but in our minds, mulling it over, holding on to it, being defined by it. God uses tough times. But while it may shape us, 
It doesn't need to hobble us. It doesn't need to stop us from moving on into what he has, just as Jesus moved on. The time has come. The time has come. And if that's a message for the church, and you will need to be the judge of that, then maybe it's a message for some in the church as well. Now, for some at any one time, it's always difficult for somebody who's preaching at any one time. You know, God has people in a tough place, and that is where um, what his will is. But I just suspect that maybe for some in this Lent period, well, I don't suspect, I pray that you will find release. You'll find healing. And that angels will attend you. And then you will go up into a new phase of your life and your ministry. So Jesus and John uh, declared the unchanging gospel. Repent and believe the good news. The way to God is through repentance. It's through heart change. That won't ever be different. Uh, you know, international students need to realize that because so many become Christians before they have understood the gospel. They respond to love. They respond to acts of service. They love the community that they discover. But they haven't yet been convicted of sin. They haven't yet realized their desperate, desperate need of God's forgiveness and his salvation. And so that's why the statistics say that 80% of those who come to faith in this country, they actually do not continue when they return home. Uh, because many become, put their faith in Christians, but maybe have not yet found Christ. And that is one of our big challenges and big requests for prayer. Because anything less than the joy of salvation will not carry them through when hardship and troubles come and pressures come. So we proclaim this gospel of repentance. But how we proclaim it may change. Jesus proclaimed the kingdom of God is near. You know, the, the Jewish people, they were... They were longing for a kingdom. It had been promised to them. They knew what they were living at the moment was not what they wanted. Uh, they wanted this Messiah to come. Now, the kingdom that they were expecting was very different to this kingdom of repentance, forgiveness, obedience, humbling. But nevertheless, that was the declaration that was a response to their heart longing. Finally today, I just wanted to ask you, maybe as something you can reflect on in the coming days, what are the longings in our society? We might not stand up in the street and say the kingdom of God is at hand. The king has come. Here are two very brief stor uh, stories which give some ideas as to what maybe are some of the longings in our society today. One, from uh, the Archbishop of Canterbury, 
Justin Welby. A while back, uh, as many of you will know, he discovered that his biological father was not who he thought. And he issued a press release. He said, you know, for years, my identity has been in Christ, not in genetics. My past does not define me. Nothing has changed. And in a way, that was a proclamation in a world that's desperate to find identity in sexuality, in possessions, in experiences. It was saying the kingdom of God is here. Our identity can be secure in Christ, can be defined by God. We can joyfully accept uh, we can joyfully embrace the love and acceptance of God. Second story about how maybe um, the gospel can, we can make a proclamation that answers the longings that people have today. I was hearing from a teacher recently, and a number of years ago, the Gideons visited her school. They handed out Bibles, and when her form came back to class, uh, they were throwing the Bible around, having a good laugh. Some of them put it in the bin, and she said, don't do that. That book has changed my life. Jesus has changed my life. Later in the day, she was summoned to the headmistress's office, and the headmistress said, Judy, we have a problem. Your form had free reading, and loads of them were reading the Bible. When the teacher asked them why, they said, Jesus has changed Mrs. Moore's life, Miss Moore's life. We want him to change ours too. The kingdom of God is here because Jesus gives meaning and purpose to those who are hungry for it. So this Lent, in your places, with the people that you come across, what are their longings? Um, how might you proclaim the kingdom of God? The way in is always the same. Repentance and forgiveness. But the proclamation may sound different for different folk. So, happy Lent. Um, it's a time when we follow Jesus in a path of obedience, maybe through some humbling. Uh, but it's also a time when there are great things to proclaim, great truths, when there's great joy when there's great fulfillment. And we will be praying with you through the rest of your week. And we will be joining with you on Tuesday evening, not physically, but through prayer. And uh, really look forward to what God does in this church and in your lives uh, through the rest of this Lent period.